You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and I can't believe that 2024 marks 10 years of podcasting. Over the last decade, I have had the pleasure of talking with hundreds upon hundreds of passionate outdoors men and women who share the same excitement for hunting as I do. Whether you hunt public lands or private property, shoot traditional archery equipment or high-powered rifles, we all have one thing in common. And that's our love for the great outdoors. This year, I plan on continuing that tradition and bringing educational and entertaining content to your ears. Thank you for your continued support, and I hope you all have the best seasons of your life. Good vibes in, good vibes out. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of No Foreplay right here on the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Today, we are joined once again by Troy Pottinger out of northern Idaho. He's a big-time whitetail hunter out there. Uh, He hunts a lot of public ground. He hunts multiple species. And today, we get into a, a really unique conversation about public land about rules and regulations, about the reintroduction of wolves. And there's two buzzwords that I want you to pay attention to in this episode. And it is freedom, the word freedom, and the word we, like all of us together, we. All right. And so uh, one thing I'd like you to do is focus on that. This is a really good, uh, good podcast. And I even question... My, I asked Troy a, a question about my views on crossbows and if that affects the freedoms of other people to enjoy hunting. And he has a really good answer for that. And so uh, I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. One thing we're going to do now is just go in and thank all of the partners that support the Nine Finger Chronicles uh, podcast. If you're looking for a saddle, man, you got to check out Tether. They have some really awesome things coming down the pipe. So uh, make sure you you check out sat, uh, uh, 
tethered in some of their uh, retail lineup that's coming at some point. Uh, Wasp Archery, go visit wasparchery.com, discount code NFC20, and that's going to save you 20% on some of the best broadheads on the market. Vortex Optics, hands down one of the industry leaders for optics in the outdoors, uh, spotting scopes, range finders, uh, you name it, they have it. Tons of great information uh, at uh, vortexoptics.com about how you should choose uh, your optics and then take advantage of the VIP warranty. Code Blue Sense, man, huge fan of the Ropadope system. Go check out codebluesense.com, discount code NFC20 for 20% off. Go stock up on some of their stuff during the off season so you're it's guaranteed that you have it for the hunting season. Uh, awesome company. Woodman's Pal, if you're looking for a habitat tool that is meant to take a beating, it's made in America, so you know the quality's good. Uh, it's perfect for cutting tree branches, hacking bushes, cleaning uh, places to put your trail cameras, uh, cutting shooting lanes. Uh, go, che go check out the Woodman's Pal. I keep one in my truck at all times. And then last, but well, I got two more, uh, Full Sneak Gear. Um, company that I support that I, I support why because it's mine and uh, I just started it up so if you're looking for I mean I got multiple t-shirts out I got hats I got stocking caps I got um, uh, crew neck sweatshirts they're all pretty badass man so go check go check out fullsneakgear.com and last but not least Huntworth please go support Huntworth because in my opinion they have some of the best like one of the best layering systems for hunters period and i say that knowing that there's all these there's like three other elite brands out there that huntworth can compete with uh, and that's that's I, i've worn their uh, gear for a full year now and it doesn't take long to figure it out so um Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. Please go to iTunes or wherever you download your podcast. I would really appreciate it if you could give me a five-star review. Let everybody know that you like and listen to this podcast along with all of the other podcasts on the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network. Make sure you're following me on Instagram. Um, I have a YouTube channel up and running. Make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel where you can listen to all this content as well. Of course, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. God, I hate saying it. I'm on TikTok now. I feel like a D-bag, but hey, you got to adapt to <laughs> the environment that you live in. And uh, so I got to be on TikTok. Uh, that's it. Let's get into today's episode of No Foreplay with my man, Troy Pottinger. Three, two, one. All right, on this episode of No Foreplay, I am once again joined out of northern idaho by <laughs> by troy pottinger troy man how you doing today good to be back dan yeah hey we had a really good conversation that covered a whole bunch of uh topics uh today where we could possibly talk about and you said something that caught my attention and i kind of want to go down this avenue right away and that is you you said something about the public land hunter may not have a fair, maybe a stake in the game or a, a fair go at hunting, let's say like someone who hunts private ground per se. 
Why don't you elaborate a little bit on on that comment, and and we'll go from there. Yeah, Dan, we were talking a little before we started rolling here, and you know, for forty plus years, I've hunted public land um, in the West, and not just in the West, but in Midwest states too. Uh, and, and the trend that I see, and this is more of a government politics or a more government get more control on people in my opinion type thing even when it comes to hunters is a lot of public land guys because it's public we're seeing it out west the trail cameras are taken away from them but the private land can run trail cameras mm-hmm. um there are states that we both know of that we i know that i've hunted maybe you have too where the public land guy isn't allowed to feed or do anything like that, but the private land guy can. Mm-hmm. So I guess my question becomes, is there really a, where are we moving forward in far as keeping the playing field as fair as we can for everybody? Because the truth is most people hunt public land because that's what they have accessible to them. And they don't own a, a manicured beautiful and more power to the guys that can do it uh they don't own a manicured beautiful highly managed whitetail ranch uh, or an elk ranch out west or you know we see it out here all the time uh it just seems to me like the public land guy as far as government policies go and i'm talking about fishing game agencies dnrs yeah are really handcuffed compared to what private landowners get uh, as far as opportunities to maybe use or get to you or to do as far as methods in yeah. hunting. Yeah. And, and I'm seeing it. And, and I tell people all the time, as soon as they start taking stuff away and we deal with this out West a lot, it's just getting the government foot in the door of taking more away. Yeah. We've got to get people on the same page and fighting for everybody's rights and my bottom line is let's have a common fair playing field as we can state to state for guys, whether it's public or private. Yeah. Let's have a, let's have an equal playing field. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's interesting because there's, there's so many rabbit holes a guy could go down on uh, at this point, but here, here's the first thing that popped into my head when you started talking about that. And that is in the state of Iowa, I'm not sure on the number of days, but I believe it is 30 days before the season starts. You can go onto public land and you can hang uh, tree stands. Then at the end of the season, you have to go in and take make sure all of your stands are down 30 days after the season is over. Now, Obviously, on public land or private land, I can have my tree stands up all year round. You know, I can have my trail cameras up all year round. And so I always ask myself these questions like, what is it hurting, right? What What is having my tree stand on up on uh, public ground all year round? What is that hurting? What is it hurting having trail cameras in certain states on public land, all year round what is it hurting like who who are the people who are complaining about this so much that that the 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 government 
or some organization needs to get involved and say, okay, no more trail cameras on public lands, no more tree stands, no more screwing steps. You know, you can't cut shooting lanes, things like that. Like how big of a problem is it that we have to have these certain rules and regulations that say you can what you can and can't do on on uh, on public ground. Do you think it's because in the past so many people have taken advantage or of loopholes and uh, rules and regulations that it it pisses other people off? Yeah, I, I think that there is some merit to that. I think there's always going to be mm-hmm. slob hunters out there that ruin it for so many of us guys that are super respectful about the public lands. Um, but I also think it goes deeper. I think there's a underlying uh, agenda in our country to make sure that everybody has a thumb on us. And I'm a big advocate, advocate of, of freedom mm-hmm. and having some freedom to roam the public land that is supposed to be ours, we the people. It's supposed to be ours, and as long as we respect it, why do we have to have things taken away from us that any, and I'm a landowner too. I own two pieces of property. Yeah. Why, why should I get a, why should I get a big advantage on my two pieces of property that I own over the guy that's out busting his butt on federally or state owned public land for the people? I, yeah. I think there's an agenda that's bigger than just people complaining or slob hunters. I think that, plays into their uh, decisions and helps promote it publicly. But the truth is, do we really want the government on everything that we do in this life of ours yeah. to have a thumb on us? Yeah. I I think that's the big issue is just all the control of silly things. Yeah. You know, I can understand being a timber guy, I've logged my whole life. I can understand no screw in tree steps on you know, timber that is going to get cut and harvested. I get that. You don't need to screw in tree steps nowadays. You can strap a stick around a tree. Mm-hmm. I I can even understand pulling your stuff if you need to, 30 days, you know, whatever. Give you give a guy 30 days, 45 days. I, I can understand that too. But when you start allowing private landowners adjacent to public lands, to dump truck load, dump truck loads of bait out to pull every deer off the public land in the country. Uh, that's where I think it becomes ridiculous. Um, you know, when you start changing, we had an issue in, in Washington out here where about five, maybe 10 years ago, where they had to change the, the feeding baiting policy because guys were changing the natural movement of deer herds which is in my opinion on private land which is ridiculous to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So they weren't migrating like they normally would like to winter ranges or things like that. Exactly. They weren't migrating down to where they needed to. They were getting held up by giant bait piles. And then the snow would come in and then they're trapped. Yeah. And then the wolves come in on top of them or the predators and just hammer them and the same with the elk. Yeah. the moose everything and that got i think that got rectified to some point to where these dump truck loads of feed were being you know put they put a stop to that which i get you know i just 
I'd like to see the playing field as even as it can be. And I'm a big advocate for public land guys because that's what I've done for 40 plus years. Yeah, yeah. There's something else you said, and you, you mentioned it there really briefly, and that was predators, okay? Uh, and, you know, there's this whole big ordeal going out in Colorado right now where um, they, inter- they, they release some wolves, right? And who knows who made that decision? Uh, it obviously wasn't anybody who talked to any hunters or farmers or ranchers. Uh, it was probably just some government official saying, hey, you know what? We need wolves back in, in, uh, in Colorado. Well, rumor has it in southern Wyoming where it's legal to shoot wolves, they've been calling these wolves back across the border and shooting them. And so that the, the release of those wolves is going to have a, a little bit smaller of an impact than the people thought, you know, that released them. And, and it's just a big message that nobody wants uh, these, these wolves, these killing machines on the landscape in, in, at that capacity. Where have you seen maybe a lack of information or a lack of the government talking with people like yourself who are on the landscape all the time in regards to predators and what they see. Yeah, there's there's hardly any communication. As a matter of fact, the people that are making these laws and rules live in a big city somewhere. They have this romantic of a idea of a wolf running free on our landscape. They do not talk to the people. And I, I lived through it in Idaho 25 years ago, 20 years ago. The the Selway herd, you can look up the facts and numbers. I'm going to be close on these numbers. The Selway herd of elk just south of me that I grew up logging in that country in the summers, uh, hunting that country, went from around 20,000 elk down to about 2,000 after the reintroduction of wolves. Now, you tell me that's not an impact. And this is a couple decades, you know, several decades ago in Idaho, we're just barely rebounding because what ended up happening in Idaho, and hopefully the listeners can take a look at these states that are just starting to reintroduce, we're dealing with in Washington now too. But what happened in Idaho was our natural resource was robbed from us by the wolves, and the wolf got put on a pedestal originally in Idaho. And then it's once it started taking money out of the pockets of people coming to Idaho to hunt elk and stuff, then the government went, oh, boy, we, we may, you know, I don't know if they admit it, but all of a sudden, all the policies and all of the rules on wolves changed. Mm-hmm. It was way too late. Our elk herds, not just in the Selway unit, but other units got decimated. They're still trying to fight back and get back to numbers that are actually truly healthy uh bull to cow herd structure ratios all that i could go down that we don't need to get too deep on this but the point is these people making these rules are completely out of touch with reality and what us people in this country that want freedom to go out and if we want to kill an elk have that ability and have that resource available instead of having to go to the damn grocery store and buy some CAFO raised processed beef, you know, that stood in his own manure his whole life and eating corn. We're, we just don't want to do that. And there is so much money 
in big pharmaceuticals, big healthcare, and big food systems that are driving this big time to force us in this country to have to go to the grocery store. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. It, it, it's... And it's, it's the big stuff that I look at in life that's even more important than how to kill a deer. Yeah, it, it really is funny how certain rules and regulations are introduced. And I've almost beat this topic to death. And I, I just continue to talk about it because it is very important on how in the state of Iowa, right? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's this whole, there's this whole like thing that's trying to happen. Like all these rules and regulations f- are trying to be pushed onto the the hunters and the outdoorsmen in the state of Iowa. Meanwhile, none of us are asking for it. So it's politi- right. it's politicians who are it introducing is. this from somebody from some lobbyist or you know the lobbyists are introducing it they're being paid by a backer or a company uh, and all of these you know all of these rules and regulations are trying to and it's it is never and when i say never i have never heard a law change coming uh, from a politician that has not spoken with the hunting community or the department of natural resources that is not money motivated Right. It, it's all money motivated. And and that when you start making decisions based off of money, you do not have the natural resource in mind. And that exactly. that that's a that's a, that's a big no, no in my especially for guys like us who we rely on renewable resource like a deer herd every single year so we can go and do what we love every single year and that's either fill our freezers or chase big antlered animals yeah and dan you're talking to a guy here that has fed his family my boys have grown up on elk and deer meat their whole life yeah and we raise grass-raised beef uh the freedoms that we need to be able to keep in our country are the freedom of choice and the only way freedom of choice gets taken away is if those resources from the wrong kind of agenda take them from us. Then yeah. then, then, what do you do? Yeah. Then you're forced to live under the thumb of, of a, in my opinion, money-hungry, evil entity, these giant billion-dollar companies that want to push this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm just some whitetail hunter out in northern idaho that i know my voice isn't gonna reach out and probably even touch the surface of government Mm -hmm. but it's real and the people across this country i think there's more people than you realize across this country that are fed up with it Mm -hmm. you know and that's that's what i want to get back to we talked about these public land rules the big point I'm trying to make is if we keep allowing just 
all these little rules to be added to public land, doesn't matter, private, anything, the more rules they allow and the more uh, resource-based things that they take away from us, you're never getting them back, Dan. No. Nope. Trail cameras. That's, like, that's the issue I have. Yeah. That's the issue I have. Yeah. So, like, trail cameras in, I believe it was Kansas recently, uh, banned trail cameras on public ground. They're probably not going to get that back unless they go – they they like all these public land hunters get together and say we want trail cameras back we want them back and so regardless I, i'm in a way i'm kind of an uh an optimist right right uh an op, i'm optimistic i believe that if a group of people work together they can say like what's going on in iowa a group of us are getting together and we're saying we don't want crossbows during the archery season in the state of Iowa. Now, there's other things that, you know, there's asterisks with that comment. But I believe if there's enough people in any state, uh, I don't know, like, let's just say for this is just an example. This is just an example. There are states out there where you can kill multiple bucks, but the herd structure or the herd ratio is out of whack hunters could get together and they could say listen we want better hunting opportunities a healthier herd and we are we want there to be one less buck tag in this state for all hunters right or maybe non-resident hunters or maybe whatever the case may be and I, so the the optimist and the optimist that's right. That's what it's called, right? The optimist in me mm-hmm. tells me that that can happen if you band to enough people together and say, "Hey, listen, we want this. We want to see this change, and hopefully, it's a change for a better." Now, some people, will, you know, there's going to be another group of people, just like in all issues in life, that are going to oppose that point of view, right? Well, mm-hmm. that's we live in a democracy. So those people need to rally their troops, and then you have a good old-fashioned debate. We see if we can uh, we can meet in the middle. If not, you put it to a vote, and that is the country that we live in. Hopefully, yeah, that's the country that we live and Dan, in. And Dan, and Dan, just everything you said, I I parallel that. Uh, in the last ten minutes, you and I have said the word "we" probably a hundred times. Yeah, to go back and count, we the people of this country need to do what's best for all of us, for our health, for our quality of life. Uh, you know, it's interesting, the hunting industry put trail cameras into the woods. Mm-hmm. Trail cameras don't lie. Video pictures do not lie to you. When a pack of wolves runs by my trail camera 10 years ago, for example, and all of a sudden a couple fishing game officers want to get a hold of my videos of this. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting, Dan, that that there might be even more to this whole trail camera thing than people are really giving credit to? Um, I had some very concerned people that if it was nowadays with social media compared to 10, 15 years ago, I think if I would have posted some of those videos where supposedly no wolves existed, who knows? Who knows how I would have been treated? (laughs) So this whole trail camera thing, in my opinion, 
is a truth serum. And they need to be allowed on public land because we the people are allowed to be on public land. The truth needs to be out there, whether it's somebody stealing something, somebody breaking the law, uh, the health of our herd. We gather, us hunters gather so much data, so much data that we can share Nobody wants it on the government side. They yeah. don't want it. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a very interesting take. And I would love if there's anybody listening to this who is a public land hunter and actually supports, let's say, a trail camera ban on public land. I would love to talk talk with the people who oppose these points of view because in my opinion, that's how you you get to the bottom of anything as you hear both sides of the story. So um, let me ask you a, a weird question. When it comes to predators like grizzly bears and wolves um, and maybe even mountain lions, have you ever met any other hunters in your area that are just like, eh, I don't care about wolves and or they, they don't have a, a, a big impact on the, the landscape like like you would think they do? Have you ever met anybody like that? That's a hunter. Very, very rarely in this country. If I have or have, if I have, it's somebody that's new to the country that hasn't spent 50 years in it. Like I have, Mm -hmm. um, there is a very strong movement out West, especially in Northern Idaho, Idaho, uh, Western Montana, Eastern Washington too us people that live here and survive here and raise our families here and feed our kids here and want those freedoms. I would say 99% are on the same page as me. Mm -hmm. Do you get the occasional somebody moving in with different views that haven't been educated, haven't lived the lives we have and haven't seen the decimation? Sure. Yeah, sure. And that's where, that's where you got to sit and talk and educate people and, you know, share 40 years of history with them versus, there's six months that they've been in the state. Yeah. Um, you know, and another thing I want to throw out there too, Dan, is we live in this world, especially social media driven to where guys want to be cool and hunt the hard way. And it becomes like a romantic thing with, I don't need this and I don't need that uh, to hunt. And I get some of that because I do enjoy bow hunting because it's challenging. But in the end, what I really care about, and I hope everybody understands where I'm coming from here because I don't want to send the wrong message. I care about our freedom. Our, and, and the things we're talking about with hunting, trail cameras, for example, it's more of a freedom issue to me than it is even in assisting in hunting. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So I probably didn't answer your question very good. So <laughs> I, I just want to be able to say that yeah. because I care about like the, I care about America as a whole. Yeah, I think we're a very unhealthy. Um, I think we're a country that's very unhealthy because of huge billion-dollar companies that are putting policies on us that we get so busy with life and you know you're trying to pay the bills, you're trying to work, trying to raise kids that we get even caught up in things that we actually have freedoms that would change those health risks. If you just take the time to do the research, take the time to understand how these big entities work and then make your choices. You know, I, yeah. I've spent 31 years teaching and I talk to my kids about this all the time. 
the greatest thing I can ever share with you as a teacher is for you to think for yourself, mm -hmm. to really dive into things. Let me ask you a question. Like you, you, you've been talking about freedom here. What's your point? I want you to talk to me. I want you to talk to me now, not the listeners, but talk to me. Do you feel that my thought process or the way I look at crossbows during the archery season infringes on other people's freedoms? I don't. And this is why a crossbow is not a bow. It's not the same weapon. Mm -hmm. Okay. Give, give muzzle hunters, give crossbow hunters, give pistol hunters, give them a season, give them their own season. What I don't like seeing is where technology moves in to say a bow season mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, technology in the last 15 years has moved an effective archery shot from 30 to 40, maybe 50 yards max, out to 100 now. Yeah. So do I think we're taking away from freedom if we separate those two into their own hunting seasons? No. Uh, but treat it more like a gun season. Yeah. Because they, they have the range and the down you know, the downfield velocity and force to get it done at a hundred yards, hundred, yeah. you know, maybe even a little more nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. We're coming up on time, but I have one more topic that I want to talk to you about. And that is uh corner crossing. Okay. And okay. do you ever have to, first off, yes or no. Do you ever have to deal with that? Where you were in you, some States? Yes. Yeah. As a matter of fact, in Idaho, in Idaho, you're not supposed to cross over a corner. Okay. Is that is that a law? You cannot corner cross. I believe it's a I believe. Okay. Somebody's gonna look this up for me. Mm -hmm. I believe it's a law. I don't know if it's hardly ever been enforced. I right. think they leave it up to the the respect of people to try to not do it. Yeah. Okay. And and I'm just blanking here, but on the way back from on the way back from South Dakota this year, I listened to another podcast that had uh, uh, an attorney on. I think it was the Meat Eater podcast, and they had the attorney on who was defending the guys who did the corner crossing. Um, and so coming from uh, a state that has, you know, the southern part of Idaho has a ton of checkerboarding in it. Um yeah. Uh, for you know, and that would be, I guess, more probably mule deer and antelope down in in that area. With that said, um, have like, what are your thoughts on corner crossing? Uh, do you think it's uh, it, the 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 public should have the ability to corner cross, or do you feel that the the private guy should have a say in how people access uh, public lands? Well, let's hit it from two perspectives. I'm I public land hunt, but I also own I also own property. Right. Do I really want people crawling over my corner fence to get to the public? Probably not. As a landowner. Yeah. Only because that's running traffic through my private property. Yeah. Not much. On the other hand, for the public land hunter, this is a really good question. I've never, ever thought about this. So this is on the fly right now. I have a couple spots I could corner cross at, and I never have. <laughs> That's just in me. I just, yeah. I don't know why. Just 
I really respect private landowners' properties out here, and this is why. There's some private landowners that give me access to just get through their property because I went and asked mm -hmm. and was up front, and I didn't try to be sneaky. And because I asked, they've allowed me to get to some hard-to-get-to public lands. So for me, my answer is... I think I would always just get a hold of the landowner, be very honest with them and upfront and see if they say yes or no versus thinking I need to just either chance it or that it's my right. Um, yeah. Being a, being a landowner, I, I definitely understand the issues private landowners have too. I, I understand both sides. Yeah. Man, there's, there's some crazy rules out there in regards to access. Um, you know, just out of curiosity, is that piece of property that you go through, you could corner cross, but you, you talk with the landowner and they let you through is the piece of public yep. that you are going to completely landlocked. Like you can't get in it anywhere. No, it's not okay. it just what it does for me with the prevailing winds out here. It allows me to enter in a way more productive way on these old bucks yeah to the public yeah to the public yeah yeah so here's a here, some of the south dakota guys will probably kill me for talking about this but in a uh, there's a rule out there that says you can use a historic section line to access land locked public ground so if there's no roads, public roads, or let's say BLM right. or grasslands, right. they don't butt up to a road, you have, the, you have the permission through the rules and regulations to walk through private property on a section line. And I believe there's like a 10-foot boundary on either side. So you got to stick really close to that. So, and, and what you said earlier was I reached out to the landowner. If I did that, in South Dakota, and I called someone, and I said, hey, I just want to let you know, I will be walking through your property today. Uh, I am going to be hunting this piece of landlocked public. They would be out there to stop me. Some of, some, yeah. some of them would. I, I bet you there's people out there who would be like, hey, thank you very much for letting me know. Go ahead, right? And you let them know yeah. what their trucks are. But then there's other guys who I've ran into that they, they go and do something like that. They come back. And all their truck tires are slashed, right? Or, yeah, or, yeah. A, or the landowner goes, nope, sorry, get get out of here. And then you got to show them documentation or you have to call the game warden. And usually the sheriff is on their side uh, of the, you know, like, hey, no, you can't do this. Well, the sheriff probably doesn't know the rule. The game warden knows the rule. And, you know, some of those section lines could potentially be closed. Some of them are open. And when they're open, you have access to go to landlocked public. And so... And so, uh, it's a whole crazy thing. And I, I wish it was, I wish it was, I wish all rules and regulations were more black and white in the writing because there's, um, in Iowa, you can feed deer, you can put mineral stations out, but you can't, right. you can't, it doesn't say like Nebraska, I believe it's, you cannot hunt 200 yards within a mineral pile or a bait pile. You can go do right. those things, but you can't hunt within 200 yards, black and white. In Iowa, it's up to the DNR officer's discretion 
on whether or not you can you can hunt this trail that a thousand yards from here leads to uh like a bait pile in front of a trail camera or a mineral station or a salt lake or something like that so it can get it's very it gets gray very fast and then some guys are like ah, oh, you're cool and some other guys well this trail leads right there you're you're now in trouble so i just wish yep. I, w- I wish rules were more black and white and i also wish that when they do change a rule they don't make an amendment to an old rule they just scrub it they put the new rule in and that people don't have to read pages and pages of you know amendments to laws that are just get confusing very fast i agree black and white would be a lot better and we deal with that same thing as south dakota does out here with uh, landlocked public you're supposed to have you're supposed to have a legal access to it but then you got to deal with the land yeah unfortunately uh then you know, it takes one guy to drive down a, a road, maybe it's a private road, put ruts in it, uh, tear it up, and now it's the landowner's responsibility to fix that road, and now they don't ever yep. want anybody going driving down that road again or scaring cattle or damaging property or, you know. One, right. dip, one dipshit usually ruins it all. Exactly, Dan. We talked about that at the very start. Slob yep. hunters. Yep. And yep. most, guys, most, most guys that I hang out with and know extremely respectful guys that hunt public and private both and to me that just opens up a lot more doors for you than the slob the the slob hunters out there just man it's like anything in life it doesn't matter what you're doing doesn't matter what business the slobs always cause everybody to have to get more rules and regulations put on them yep well, this went a little longer than normal, and we did cover, you know, we, we covered uh, a good amount, you know, a good topics here. And so, again, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate you coming uh, back on, and I look forward to uh, talking with you again. All right. Thanks for having me, Dan.